So welcome to Dwarf Fortress Roundtable, the podcast for all things Dwarfy. I'm Jonathan. And I'm Tony. It is Sunday, January 21st, 2020, no, 31st, January 31st, 2021. And unfortunately, Roland was is not able to be with us today. He is out making the Autobahn safe for Dwarf Fortress. Hey, Tony. Hola. How's it going? Here we it's, are in, in our new 47.05 world. Yes. Last week, a new bug fix release of Dwarf Fortress was, uh, was released, 47.05. And that's pretty cool. We're pretty excited about it. Have you had a chance to look at it at all? Do any of the, what do you call, gameplay? Absolutely, I have. The night it was released, I downloaded it and started it up with vanilla and realized, again, that I'm just not good enough player to play with vanilla for any length of time. So then I I took the, the Dwarf Fortress folder and I dropped it into an unzipped version of Prodexus Arant's uh, uh, lazy noob pack. Changed the name of the folder, and surprisingly enough, it actually ran. DF right. hack didn't work, and right. um, nothing else. Were, but but the graphics were there. Get your tile set. Yeah, yeah, I have a tile set. So the next day, uh, I saw on Reddit that CleanoDev had put together a caveat mTOR package that had at that time and this is what i'm playing right now the hero we need it has the the tile set and it has a dwarf therapist and that's the two things that i really uh yep. that i really use mccarkity has also released a, a kind of a alpha version of the linux dwarf pack i haven't downloaded that and played that but uh but cleanodev talked about that on uh on reddit so yeah, Looking and the DF hacks already been compiled. I'm I, I'm I'm imagining it's because the um, changes weren't that radical in how everything worked on the back end. So that's my non-technical, non-developer take on it. Is it was probably pretty much more like iterative changes rather than any sort of revolutionary change from the Toady One WHQ. It's been so long since that was released, though. I really wanted to to get on there. And plus, it was like two days before we were going to record this. Yeah, I'm in with Vanilla. I've just, yeah, and I've just been rocking it with Vanilla just to kind of check it out. And yep, it, it lo and behold, plays exactly the same. Um, <laughs> I, I didn't really ever have huge stress problems. And I'm not saying that as a flex. I think it's probably because my 47 dot xx stuff i was just kind of into generating these really old worlds which seemed to be incredibly problematic so i'm going to just say that the reason i didn't have stress problems is probably because everything died too fast <laughs> or or um <laughs> you know or, or i got lucky i'm glad that it sounds like early reports are that the stress stuff is 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 taken care of to people's satisfaction like that dwarves can see dead bodies now without you know having the fort fall into ruin hey that's exciting your world that uh, that you built on it, it was an old one, right? Over a thousand years? Yeah, and the new one that I rolled for the vanilla release is also a thousand fifty years. And I you know, I'm just I'm super curious about those worlds, partly because I love the fact that by that point there's tons of artifacts and um, there's books everywhere and you know, the I guess the added disadvantage is that there are necromancer towers everywhere, but it's pretty neat. Like uh, in this thousand fifty year old world 
I have, it looks like there's a bridge between two islands and, you know, tons of sites. And, you know, I, I don't have legend, whatever it is, the, you know, the things that let you, vis- excuse me, visualize legends mode. I don't have any of those working right now, but I'm sure it's cool. And, and it doesn't look like it's quite as tower crazy. That's what so, I was going to ask you. If, if the necromancers had, you know, dominated the, the civilizations uh, with a thousand year old world for you. Although I've just found in one area, three towers in a row, basically one, two, three in a row, and then up to and over one, another tower. So, yeah, maybe maybe it's still a little tower heavy, but um, I'm, I'm still alive after the first two months of having, you know, having the game up. So, hey, that's an improvement so far. So <laughs> we'll see what happens. I'm cautiously optimistic. Yeah, I've got his notes up here, and that is one of the one of the items on it that I found interesting. Um, was I'm hoping that this has at least some effect on the inevitability of a necromancer takeover. It seems in long term fortresses, but yeah. uh, there. So there's a an item here in the major bug fixes that says stopped corpse raising, shape shifting, and non living non vampire visitors. Now I don't exactly know what that means. And I've not dug into the Bay 12 game forums since this was released to, to get more explanation on it. It says visitors, non-living, non-vampire visitors. Technically a visitor and a migrant are two different things. And I think that, that necromancers migrating in has been one of the bigger problems for, for fortresses. Yeah. yeah that's where things tend can tend to go wrong or right. Yeah. So does that mean they're not coming? <laughs> well, yeah, the, which would be nice. I would rather have necromancers, unless it's through the villains uh, mechanism. I'd rather have necromancers yes. not just migrate in and <laughs> and you know and have well and also the you know the the undead migrants who come in and you know just you know take up shop and turn into fish cleaners and and things yeah, like right. that. Get married <laughs> and have kids, <laughs> rotting yeah. corpses. I think that's done right. I think that's what it. I, that that was my read of the situation here is that you're not going to have like, you know, the undead Chungus's hand guy come and establish residency anymore. That, that I think is what that means. So this week, I think I'll go on the Bay 12 forums and, and ask people if they know, and maybe even Tony will respond at some point, uh, what exactly that line means. Yeah, I was just going to play it out and see what happens. But yeah, I mean, it was kind of wacky because one time, Almost my entire fort in one of these was because I think that's all that was left in the world were those things. Basically, I'm I'm happy to report that my fort, it, even a short period in, is all dwarves and, and no longer all undeads. So we'll see how that goes and see how it keeps going. But also, I like it, the one that says that that this update stops visitors from siding against the fort in any conflict where the fort's tame mega beasts are involved. What was that? <laughs> if I read that right, visitors would come in. They would see mega beasts, uh, which I guess are like uh, like captured, yeah, uh, forgotten beasts. Or is that what? So what? What is a mega beast? Um, isn't it like the forgotten beast? Yeah, I think also things like uh, like the titans, though. Like uh, if there's like a colossus walking around, that's not a forgotten beast, but I think it's also a mega beast. Let's take a look. DF uh, Dwarf Fortress Wiki.org. According to Dwarf Fortress Wiki, 
Mega Beasts are special and very powerful boss creatures, distinct from and larger than semi-Mega Beasts, who are created during world generation, each associated with a number of spheres. They are named historical figures, and the game will announce their presence by name. Uh, the Mega Beast species are the Dragon, the Hydra, the Rock, and the Bronze Colossus. Uh, Forgotten right. Beasts and Titans are procedurally generated Mega Beasts. So we're talking about Got Forgotten it. Beasts, Titans, plus Dragons, Hydras, Rocks, right. and the Colossuses. Colossi? Colossuses? That makes sense. So it's the named named beasts. Yeah. Right. So, okay. Now we're clear. So if you had one of those that was you had captured and tamed... Then apparently, visitors who had come to your fortress would say, Oh, God, you've got a Colossus here. Get back! Yeah, okay. That makes Even sense. Even though it was friendly. Yeah. <laughs> it, is, it is amusing, though. Yeah. Although that would be a flying air quotes bug that, uh, that could lead to some interesting gameplay. I found that there is a very useful feature of dogs. Um, so I got to tell you, my particular fortress is just swarmed with macaques and lemurs. And they, you know, are stealing everything that's not bolted down. Or at least they were. Those things are ruthless, yeah. Yeah, and they're they're swarming. I mean, you'll have like 20 of them at a time on your screen. It'll be wave after wave, macaques and then lemurs in separate waves come in to... to for some reason, they really like my my stone blocks that I keep outside my fortress for wall building, <laughs> and they tend to come in and pinch them all. So I created a really big pin zone outside the entrance of my fortress and around my stockpile of stone, and I put all of my stockpile of dogs in it. Oh, so right. as soon as a lemur shows up and penetrates that that uh, that pin zone, the uh, the dogs attack it. And run them off. It's pretty great. I love it. All right. So you just keep your dogs penned in, and then put your put your special stuff in there, and then the kias and lemurs and stuff can't can't get in because the dogs will take care of them. Ah, That's right. And idea. they will kill them too. So yeah. Well, pretty handy. Good boy, good boys. Last week talked to Roland, or, or last episode that is, I uh, spoke with Roland about buying beasts from elves. Mm-hmm. And he seemed to think that that was just the bee's knees. So I decided that I was going to start trying that. So I'm, I've bought an elephant, a python, a possum, a drake, which I was thinking was a dragon, but apparently it's a duck. Uh, yep, little, a little <laughs> duck. Yes, that's probably not going to be the scary uh, thing that you were hoping. <laughs> not at all. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, a, and an elephant. I think I may have already said elephant. Uh, and a, yeah, elephant and a, seems good. Yeah, a giant um, weasel. A giant weasel. So I have another pin that's outside my fortress that has a python, a weasel, an elephant, a, ling- a, a, a possum, a duck, and a, a, a llama. Yeah, so, so I was just having some fun with it. Yeah, right. Get your menagerie. It'd be fun to then put them all into a party and set out as a, as a traveling circus in the world. See what happens. Well, I was interested to see if the python would kill the, kill the, uh, the possum. But it hasn't happened yet, so they seem to all get along. You know, the lion lies with the lamb, right? Yeah, I think if they're tame, they all sort of get along. I played around one time trying to tame some things, but I think sort of the wilder things are sometimes the more continual taming interaction they need. And 
I ended up with people getting bitten and hurt and stuff. I think it was like my cave crocodiles. I think I hadn't quite, I don't know, taken things far enough or something. <laughs> my cave crocodiles were a little uh, dicey. So my fortress is about two years into it. And right, I've, got, I've got a 61 dwarves as my population right now. All right, so that's, uh, I'm looking that's forward to going over that 80 dwarf mark to see if it triggers uh, a goblin siege. So I'm looking forward to that. So I'm feeling uh, I'm feeling hopeful that, that we got this bug release because I'm hoping that that means that um, things may be getting closer and more together with this steam release. So maybe maybe we'll see it by summer. That'd be pretty exciting. It would be. It would be. Hey, I was noticing that. Uh, have, have you ever bought anything or, or hung out on on itch.io at all? Uh, no, it's kind of like steam, but not right. It's just an alternative to steam, huh? It seemed to be a little bit looser than that. It seemed to be very much less establishment, I guess you could say, that that you probably aren't going to find AAA games or anything like that. It looks like it was it's mostly an open marketplace for indie developers to sell games. So, yeah, that sounds uh, really cool. I like it. It does. I I like the the, the idea of that. I think that it probably will. They and I don't know what they meant, but they said that if for games that are on Steam, they also have like keys. So I don't know if all right, they're so saying that you can and, and play it on Steam. Maybe I don't know. That's pretty cool because I imagine that the um, mod community on Steam will be pretty solid. Yeah, itch.io. Yeah, this one looks really good. I, I think this is one of the good guys. I was trying to think because I knew that there were <clears throat> there are a couple of Steam clones. I know that there's Epic Games, and they're like I think you want to stay away from them. Um, but yeah. <laughs> itch.io is pretty cool. Awesome. Yeah, I think the modding community is going to be pretty cool for this. I'm super interested to, un- to understand what and how easy it will be to drop in mods for, for Dwarf Fortress. And, you know, will DF hack continue to, like, is it going to be a mod that can be pushed in Steam? Or, or is it going to have to, or, or does the Steam release fundamentally change how DF hack's going to have to interface with it? All of these questions. And more will soon answer next week on door fortress roundtable and, and did and we had Yana came about what he thinks like going to fairly cool with this <laughs> so i don't think that came up and, and you know i'm guessing he's probably pretty okay with it it doesn't seem like the kind I'm of guy that would be like don't mess with my art um no in fact i know that he's okay with that from not not maybe from our interview but from other interviews since the modding community is so integral to the to Dwarf Fortress, it allows him to focus on the gameplay mechanics. Now, that's probably not going to be the case as much anymore if he's having to worry about the the Steam release. And you know, he took responsibility for a for a pretty awesome looking tile set on his own. Yeah, yeah. So, and while while I know that it's Meth and Mayday who are making the tile set, at the end of the day, it's still Tony who's the one who who you know the buck stops at. Yeah, it does. If it wants to look good and fit with the game, and and his UI and his UI stuff is coming along. It seems really well. Loving those updates. Watching it be played in the video was pretty cool. When he posted that video update, and you could actually see the game kind of working, that was pretty neat. That did make me feel better about it. I'm skeptical about a major UI change happening all at once without testing being able to be handled by by the public <laughs> because this is going to be a huge ui change happening 
all at once. For now, I, I realize that he also said that the keystrokes are still going to work, but still, it's going to be a huge change from what we're used to. Yeah, uh, it's it's an interesting way for software development because I, I know when we had him on, he was basically he kind of said that you know he wasn't really into the idea of beta testing, or maybe that he wasn't not that he wasn't really into it, but it was just like that's just not something that they really explored much. They didn't really do beta tests. Well, the, the model worked for that too, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. And this isn't like, I'm not throwing shade. It was just, you know, it'll be interesting to see how that works with something that with broader, uh, you know, something that hits the numbers that the Steam release will probably do. Can you still release without a beta test? It'll be fascinating to see or if he'll adopt the concept of the beta channel like that, like what you have with Steam games where you can either be on stable or beta um, but, well, the know, answer is yes, you can. Things. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. No, he, he can, but will he? That's what I'm saying is, I wonder. The, my only fear of it all is is that he's, you know, the people who are already in the Dual Fortress community are going to, to love it. And, you know, we're going to be evangelists for the game. But it's whenever people from outside who've heard about the game and read all of the articles and various magazines and media outlets, they start playing it. What's their reaction going to be? And how is Toadie going to react to any potential negative commentary? I, I would imagine the comments will still be kind of like they've always been. This game is so hard. It's impossible to play. It's just it's just letters on the screen that don't mean it. You know, like there's still going to be that kind of level of like, I'm not curious. I'm not a curious enough person to actually try to get interested in this. I think there's still going to be those people out there, and I think those still people get those people still get paid to write articles, and that's an easy article to write about Dwarf Fortress, right? That it's hard. This game is really hard, and so the people are going to absolutely be writing those things, no question about it. But I think it's you know it will uh, you know will a certain percentage of those people do they have a shred of curiosity in their bodies or are they simply just going to parrot what people have already said? Um, I feel like we're, we'll see more people come in because I think that the way the steam photos position it is that it's a graphical game first. And then this idea of, you know, quotes and tildes and that kind of thing, you know, that's kind of the way it used to look. So I think that'll, shave off a fair portion of that and i also think in the like venn di diagram of people in the world that know about door fortress i think that you know and people who don't it's like there's there's it's a very small number of people that even know about it so the fact that it's going to be graphical and on steam is going to just immediately bring people in um especially like the rim world people i think are going to be all over it because it's so similar um all of those people are already Dwarf Fortress players too. So it's true, it's true. But I think RimWorld is a much bigger community just because, just by the nature of the fact that it is more. I mean, it looks like other games. You know, the fact that RimWorld used the the tile set, I guess, if you if you will, from um, what is it like Prison Architect or whatever. I mean, that immediately made it so much more accessible. And um, yes, but I think so. If you've taken the time to get good at um, Rimworld, you'll probably be one of those people who will want to dig a little deeper with Dwarf Fortress. Um, you know, think about Rimworld, but now you've got multiple levels. Like, that's something that a lot of the Rimworld players, I think, have been you know, excited about is the idea that you can build on multiple Z layers and not just be stuck on one. So, time will tell, huh? Yep, yep. Okay. 
Thank you for listening to my TED talk. I know. <laughs> That's okay. People know what they get. What they get when they download <laughs> You're getting your money's worth today. <laughs> You're getting your money's worth, kids. Basically, the last couple of weeks, I've uh, well, actually, I hadn't played much Dwarf Fortress at all until the release, and then I've played for you know thirty six hours straight. <laughs> yeah, exactly, it's fits and starts, isn't it? Um, it is. Well, I mean, if you Absolutely. Think about it, it had been it had been a whole year since there was any release, and so I think the fact that we had this activity is pretty cool. So I mean, you know, that kind of because I was kind of like you, I'd I'd sort of done everything I could think of. Um, you know, for a while and then got interested in another game. Don't hate me. Um, but yeah. And yeah, so this is kind of like, Oh, I can go try these things again and see what happens. You know, see where, you know, where I got stuck before. Was it a bug or is it just that I'm crap? And before we answer that question, (laughs) um, let's see what happens. I've been working on another, uh, a side project uh, with a friend of mine, it's a programming thing, and which is why I haven't been able to spend nearly as much time on Dwarf Fortress as I would like to. But uh, hi, George. Um, hopefully, he won't mind that I spent 36 hours whenever we're try- <laughs> going to be trying to have our beta release on Monday. <laughs> your your IPO? Oh no, 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 nothing, nothing that that serious. But uh, but but uh, for about you know 12 hours of this weekend, I was playing Dwarf Fortress when I probably should have been working on the other project. <laughs> Hi, George. Yeah. You listen to this. I think there's a, I think he listens to our podcast with a three or four week delay. So by the time he hears this, he won't be mad at me anymore. Oh, he's already going <laughs> to know all about 4705 and have formed tons of opinions. I'm sure. <laughs> yeah, it's interesting. He, uh, yeah. you know, I've talked to him about playing the game, and he, he thinks that the game sounds interesting, but he's afraid that it will become a time black hole for him. And it can, uh, much like I just said that I spent 36 hours playing this game. Uh, it can become a a very big time sink. Yeah. can't remember where I was going with that. But, oh, but um, he said that it, rather than playing it, he just likes listening to our podcasts and hearing us talk about the dwarves. <laughs> Yeah, I've talked to a few people who say, oh, I, I enjoy listening <laughs> and talking about or hearing people talk about and reading about the game more than I think I could enjoy playing it. But I also think that's because the barrier to entry is kind of intimidating. You kind of have to sit down and want to figure out, you, you know, you kind of got to sit down and try to get into it. And, you know, there's a lot of crazy stuff going on right now. So I can see why people might not be as keen to sit down with something like that. I certainly appreciate that where that's coming from. But I also think one of the cool things that I think Steam will do is because more people will get involved, we'll see more tutorials. People will probably be popping up Twitch things more often. There will be more YouTube channels talking about how to get going on it. And, you know, maybe from some bigger, more well-known streamers from other games. I, I wonder if that's what could happen be like among us i'm looking forward to seeing the uh the the yeah the youtube videos with the new interface that'll be fun yeah totally it's gonna be it's gonna be fun to see how it goes but yeah i think that even in the um gui version that i saw in that video you can still see there's some you know it's obviously still the same under 
underpinning system that runs everything. So I still think, you know, if there are things like the fact that the doors are always flashing, uh, that's one of the things that somebody was talking to me about. They're like, doesn't it drive you nuts that everyone's always flashing all the time? You know, all these tiles are flashing and there's like dots everywhere that blink in the fort. And that's so annoying. Um, so I think, you know, there's still those little graphical foibles that will make people feel weird. But hey, if the mod community is anything like it is for RimWorld, people can just get mods to, to change that kind of stuff. I'm sure that's the way that'll work, which is neat. There's, there's a couple other items that he's got in minor bug fixes and tweaks in this 4705 release that that I thought are noteworthy. Um, one that I like, make people that work outside get used to bad weather. <laughs> yes. So make them into Midwesterners, basically. <laughs> no, sorry. Hey, I resemble that remark. <laughs> yes, I know you do. There's been some talk within the last year or so in the in the on Reddit and on the forums about how memory works and how long term memories form. So I thought it was interesting that he wrote that he stopped many minor thoughts from forming memories. And what I'm hoping that means is that someone won't dwell on getting caught in the rain, you know, 30 years later. Yeah, and having that be we, a long-term memory. Yeah, we talked about this. I had a, I had some dwarf that was like a really skilled crafter and she got stuck outside one time. I don't know, who knows when? Like, it doesn't even matter. And it was like, basically, she just lived in this world of pent-up rage and depression over that one time that she couldn't get back before it started raining and then eventually went mad and killed people. And it's like, yeah, okay. Maybe that's not so balanced. <laughs> like, like I hate it when it rains too, but I, it doesn't spoil my life. Well, um, you never know what turns Otto Octavius into Doctor Octopus, right? It's, it's so true. I know. Maybe that's the ver- maybe that's the variety of it all. Um, but I also think that's why people were kind of glomming on to the idea of the dwarves of, um, you know, uh, how Krug Smash had that world where basically he was killing everyone and having them be brought back as, as, as happy undead. Yeah. Yeah. He, he made the zombie fortress. I think that, I think this patch will probably ruin that, <laughs> that, <laughs> that theme. I think that breaks his little creative streak there um and i see he's only just getting back to uh that world you know that fort that he was playing so i'm sure he's probably just like dang it <laughs> what have i what have i done um, uh, I yeah, that, was, that was a very dark period in in the krug smash timeline that that little period where everybody was being murdered to just get their face back Yeah, I I almost wonder if that's uh, why he went on hiatus for such a long time. If he was just like mentally, he was just like, oh, my God, I can't live with what I've done here. I've got to (laughs) take two months off just to catch my sanity. You know, um, I I mean, not off off, but from his main story, I know he was doing his battle matches and stuff. But but still, it was like, you know, it was pretty. um, Yeah, I wonder if he's just sitting at his house going, am I the baddie? (laughs) I wonder if, uh, yeah, I'm wondering when he'll jump into the new version and. Because he's not bound by DF hack or anything, he just he rolls vanilla except for his tile set. I think so. I think you're right. Yeah. So also uh, removed stress from migrants, uh, for example, ones from old forts. So that's kind of neat. And I guess that I just intuitively thought that this was the case where if somebody has emotional problems from their previous fort, then they would probably have those same emotional problems and memories whenever they come into your fort. Yeah, they did. It was annoying if you ever had one that was a pest. I think ages ago when we had 
that fourth that we were passing around and playing. And I think you'd named them after like with musicians or something. Right. 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 And there was one guy that was, I don't know. He, he was just a downer. He was like a Debbie downer and I'd kick him out. And then, you know, and then I'd started a new fort and he turned up again. And I was like, no, not you again. Out. <laughs> <laughs> Go away. He just kept turning up. Like apparently he's just such a misery guts. Nobody wanted him. And, <laughs> he just kind of kept kicking, getting kicked out of everywhere, I guess. I don't know. He never seemed to find a home, find a good home. I guess the rain was just a little too much for him. My guy, you need a desert. <laughs> Here, I think, is my favorite line of all of the bug fixes and tweaks, though. Vengefulness is no longer stressful. I like the idea of that. That means that, that, you know, no longer will someone, you know, stress out about the fact that they are, you know, plotting vengeance. Now it's more of a revenge is a dish best served cold kind of thing. Yes. <laughs> yes. Well, in hey, the back of my mind, I plan on taking you down, buddy, and I am relishing the thought. I wonder if that makes the villain stuff even more effective somehow. Like, does that add to the villaininess of the villains? Because now that, you know, now they can just be cold, calculating people and not get stressed about it. Because before, if like, if they were hatching their criminal plots and it was stressing them out, they might avoid that. So like, what have we done? (laughs) Is this going to, did things just get real bad? Or is this like, are we going to start seeing a ton of new villain stuff happen? Hmm. We'll find out. Yeah, that's the spirit. So that's the uh, the new release of Dwarf Fortress, and it seems pretty stable so far. Again, uh, thanks, CleanoDev, for throwing together the Caveat mTOR Windows 64 version, and thanks to McCarkady for getting the Linux Dwarf Pack up and going. And there may be some other ones out there by this point. I'm not aware of them at the time of recording here. It was <laughs> It was just released probably less than 48 hours ago. I think it was released on 5.30 p.m. on Friday. It was Thursday, I think, wasn't it? Was it Thursday? Okay. Yeah. Okay. So, But it's it's only recently come out, and we've already got some modders out there trying to update their, their packs. And typically, I will wait until the, the packs are released before I start playing the new versions. But this time, I really wanted to, for whatever, because it's been so long, right? It's been over a year, or almost a year since the... Uh, since 47.00 came out. A year ago that the final bug fix was released, 47.04, it was like February something. So, yeah, so hopefully before January 2022, we'll have the Steam release. And um, then I think things are just going to be off to the races. It'll be pretty exciting. Well, I guess that uh, that's going to wrap up our episode. I think we covered it. I think we've covered... The coverage of the hot new 4705, basically the summary is we've got it. We've been playing, but neither of us have quite enough to share from an inexperienced standpoint yet. But it hasn't crashed. Doggone sure hasn't crashed. And I generated some big worlds. Only thing that I can't test that that was of interest to me was um, I was kind of excited about the Mac release of it before because of the new Mac silicon chips um, Mm -hmm. are the fastest single core chips. So the Mac... M1 should be the best platform in the world to play Dwarf Fortress on. Um, so uh, I can't test that because I don't have access to it anymore. Um, right. But hopefully someone out there can let us know if it works on the new Mac. Uh, 
because that would be very exciting for somebody that wants to play. Maybe, maybe yes, Cody's got access to a Silicon Mac and he can natively compile it, in which case, beware. All right, Tony. Well, have fun uh, the next couple of weeks playing Dwarf Fortress, and hey, we will see you, you on the backside. Absolutely. Uh, I'm excited. This is going to be fun. Good stuff. Looking forward to hearing how your fort goes. Yeah. All right. It's a wrap, as Admiral Akbar would say. Later, ma'am. All right. See ya. All right. Catch you later, Tommy. Bye. This has been the Dwarf Fortress Roundtable Podcast. You can find all our past episodes at dfroundtable.com. Stop by and leave a message or suggestion in the comments section for this episode. While you're there, you can subscribe to Dwarf Fortress Roundtable or find us in the podcast service of your choice. You can find video content on our YouTube channel, and you can send us an email at urist at dfroundtable.com. That's U-R-I-S-T at dfroundtable.com. Please consider donating to the creators of Dwarf Fortress at bay12games.com. If you'd like to help support this podcast, you can find us at patreon.com slash dfroundtable. Music for this episode is from filmmusic.io. Sky Cullen and Folkround are both by Kevin McLeod. You can find more from Kevin McLeod at incompetech.io.